from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this, I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. I worked at the Cold Stone franchise that <gasps> my parents owned. Cold Stone Nepo, baby. <laughs> I'm screaming. No, there's literally, there's no, ne- there, I guess at the time, yes, I was a Nepo baby. I can't believe you were a Cold Stone <laughs> Nepo baby. That's so iconic. I can't believe that it's like Christmas in, what is it, five days now? And I still am not in the Christmas spirit in almost any way. I don't mean no. to be a Scrooge. I don't need to be a Grinch. It's not that I'm actively hating it. It's really not that. It's like almost that I'm just completely apathetic about it. Uh, you're you're standing on the top of Mount Crumpet right now. I'm not. I'm not being a Grinch. It's not that I... I it's And it actually feels... It's not like I feel like a Grinch in that I'm the one person who's feeling this way. It seems like collectively a lot of people are feeling this about this holiday season. I don't know yeah. what it is. It's less of like a, a, a violent overthrowing of Christmas and more of like a I am dissociating from this Christmas season for whatever reason. Well, it also feels like the culture is not as obsessed with Christmas this year. Like there haven't been any big Christmas movies memes. or memes <laughs> i haven't no done good i haven't, memes I haven't done my annual um tweeting the grinch poster where he's holding the ornament and <laughs> with the caption is he dot 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 you know which i mm-hmm. like literally tweet it every year and without fail every year it goes viral so mm-hmm. we'll see if that happens again what are your christmas we love tradition. what are your christmas plans by the way well <laughs> This is so funny. So Justin and I, my best friend and I, go home to my parents for Christmas usually. But this year, we are going a day after Christmas because Justin and I have booked tickets to see Adele in Vegas. (laughs) On Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day? On Christmas Eve. (gasps) 
because that's tickets are like four hundred and fifty dollars cheaper. Oh my god, you're oh, spending Christmas with Adele. That's babe. Amazing. I'm spending Christmas Eve with Adele, and I'm staying the night at Caesar's Palace. And apparently, the Caesar's Palace buffet is incredible. I've been told there are crab legs. I am worried about you in a buffet because you do have a very sensitive <laughs> tummy, and I don't want you to get sick. <laughs> I also have, you know, not that much restraint around you, um, unlimited around food. food. Yeah, you really, really, I do really not. don't. I'm a garbage disposal in that regard. Um, but I what like especially be growth? careful with the shellfish, babe. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna really do a number on me. And, and they're aphrodisiacs. I don't want to be like horny on Christmas Eve. Well, you could find. I mean, maybe some, I do. You could find some Christmas trade. Yeah, Justin and I sharing at the Adele at show. <laughs> you could cruise <laughs> cruise at Adele. Um, Honestly, it will probably be mostly faggots, like lonely faggots uh, at the Adele Christmas Eve show. Most, like, I mostly fagalas, as we say in Yiddish. Yeah, and probably Jew- and probably Jewish people, probably right. people that don't celebrate Christmas. Right. Um, what are you doing for, 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 for the holidays? Um, so my best friend Ryan and I always go to his mom's in Long Island for Christmas. And mm-hmm. we are going this year. Um, I think one, uh, another like part of the reason why it, it it isn't feeling like Christmas this year is that every year we do you know traditional Jewish Christmas. We go to the movies on Christmas Day, and this year there really isn't a big Christmas Day film release. I mm. I know. Well, Matilda's coming out um, on Christmas oh, right. Day on Netflix, but it's also on Netflix. So it's like kind of not the same. I mean, it's not like I, we even talked about not going to the movies on Christmas Day because we've already seen Avatar. Like I'm not going to yeah. go see the Fablemans on Christmas Day or ever. No, um, no. So I think we might just watch something at home and like, you know, we do dinner obviously, but, uh, and usually the night before we go to friends of theirs for a, a Christmas Eve party but I think it's going to be pretty low-key Christmas I also have not been doing a lot of gift buying this year like Ryan asked me the other day oh what when you've been Christmas shopping have you been buying stuff for yourself as well and I told him actually it's more that when I've been buying things for myself I'm also (laughs) trying to Christmas shop in addition to that Um, but I think my rule this year is like in almost Except in a few cases, if I'm not seeing you on Christmas, you're not getting a gift. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Except um, for except I, for you, you are getting. Except a gift. for me, obviously. Um, I uh, was going to ask. Okay, I, I don't want to make you get into it, obviously, because there's so much to say. But you saw Avatar. Oh my god, I did see um, Avatar on Saturday. Virgins, virgins. We you were reading your survey results. We know that you don't like spoilers, or when we like review things too early. So this isn't going to be a review of Avatar. But I have to ask you, Rose, what did you think? It was incredible. It was incredible. incredible show stopping, never been done before. It it was <laughs> I loved it. It was so much fun. It was emotional. It was beautiful. It was everything I wanted and more. I think like we'll talk about it more in depth once you've seen it, because you do plan to see it, right? Yeah, I, I will I will eventually see it. Um, yeah. whenever I pull pull together the willpower to, to hold in my piss for three and a half hours. Wait, Honestly, how long is it? Three it's three hours and ten minutes. Um, I did go pee midway through. I was not yeah, going to, you know, James Cameron has given us his blessing. He said, you should go to the, to the bathroom during the movies if you have to. And there are many points during the movie where you can just 
scurry off and piss for a minute or two. It's fine. Um, yeah. It's a lot of movie. And like, you know. It's a lot of movie. I, I actually have thought before, like, I think this would be a really good resource to have is if someone did like TikToks where it was like, here's the perfect part in X popular movie to go to the bathroom. Maybe I'll make that yeah. my, my TikTok niche. Like James Cameron actually should have prescribed like which there should be like a little ding 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 on the screen yeah and it should well because yeah. I saw it in 3D although I didn't see it in IMAX oh my which god I was, did you barf no it was I so would barf. Well, oh actually wait I did barf the more the morning after because I went to the movies <laughs> we saw we saw Avatar <laughs> eight, we saw Avatar at 8 p.m. and I didn't have dinner before and I got a huge oh. I got a huge bucket of popcorn a Pepsi and Twizzlers. And I ate it all on an empty stomach. And when I woke up in the morning, I had a hair appointment yesterday morning. And I woke up feeling nauseous. And I was like, no, I have to go sit in like a salon for for three hours. Like, I can't be sick. And I, like, the second I got out of bed, I ran to the bathroom and puked up popcorn, Twizzlers, and Pepsi. And then I had to go to a salon and get my hair done for three hours oh, no. oh my god i was asking that facetiously and then i had to go to my, and then i had to go to our to ty's house and eat chili <laughs> well that sounds like a great post-bomb meal honestly chili delicious yes um you're like sure um i started uh, very weird and maybe it's because we were texting but i started watching the original avatar last night i, I flicked it on at 9 52 p.m <laughs> which was a terrible idea. I mean, but I watched the first third of it. I had forgotten the movie entirely. I've never, I've only seen it once in theaters when it came out, forgot it entirely. What a crazy movie. And the lead, the this guy, the lead of this movie, what a nobody. He is, what a, he is what, truly what nothing. What a truly nothing, a nothing character, a nothing role, a nothing actor. Like, He's Jake literally Sully. Adds, That's it. That's all he, he is. He adds nothing to the movie. And it's so I don't think I don't think he this, adds nothing to the movie. But he, he we'll certainly... We'll get into that. He certainly added nothing to the world. Like, he is not... Yes. He was not really in any other big movies. He was this year in Under the Banner of Heaven, that um, FX show right. with Andrew Garfield. Right. And he was right. fine in it. Also, spoiler alert, he was the villain. Um, oh, that is a spoiler. He, yeah, he's, he's whatever. But Avatar, the first Avatar is incredible. One of the best movies ever made. James Cameron... Is a genius. Um, speaking of James Cameron, I saw Titanic on Friday night. Oh, I've heard amazing, amazing things. Was it was it good? Yeah. So for anyone who hasn't heard of it, Titanic is an off-Broadway show that is basically Titanic the movie as a Celine Dion jukebox musical. And mm-hmm. Celine Dion is a character. She is telling the story of Titanic um, because in the world of this show, she was on the Titanic. Um, So she is, so she's telling the story. Um, It's so fun. I have not had that much fun at a show in, in a long time. It was, we were hooting and hollering. Um, Frankie Grande's in it. He was, he was good. Um, Frankie Grande's in it. Frankie Grande's in it. He didn't even, you know, he's very humble. He did not have his yeah. own bow. He bowed with the rest of the ensemble. Wow, that's beautiful. But it was so fun. The actress who played Celine Dion was so amazing. Um, unfortunately, like because I'm sure of licensing issues, they couldn't use 
the big, big hits, like It's All Coming Back to Me Now wasn't in it. No way. Um, they probably spent all their money on getting My Heart Will Go On. Um, yeah. But it's full of a lot of like fun pop culture references. Some of them are like a, a little bit too on the nose, but it is very funny. It's a really good time. And if you're in New York um, and want just like a super fun, very gay theatrical experience, I would absolutely recommend it. And tickets aren't that expensive. I think we paid like a hundred bucks. Uh, I, I mean, like, I I love like a cheap Broadway show or just a Broadway show that's like... Off Broadway. Off Broadway, sorry. Homegrown, like really trying something, really not like unserious, unafraid to take risks. Um, I know that like Ain't No Mo was revived like this this past week with all this like digital organizing and all these like, you know, like black mafia celebrities that are sponsoring shows and stuff. And like between that, between like Ain't No Mo and Titanic, I, I have like a slate of things now to Titanic. see when I'm back in New York. Titanic. Titanic. It is currently the fifth night of Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah to all who celebrate. And um, we're celebrating today uh, with the help of Jill Goodowitz, who's here to talk about disobedience with us. Who better to have than Jill, honestly? Author of Girls Can Kiss Now and one of the most powerful lesbians on the internet, we have to say. She moves culture. She influences me every day. Tis the season to light the menorah, fry up some latkes, and spit into your Hasidic ex-girlfriend's mouth. Because this is Like a Virgin, the show we give yesterday's pop culture today's takes. I'm Rose Damu. And I'm Fran Torado. And, um... Hala. Hala. Not that. I mean, yes, that. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
Fran, I do want to kind of let you in since you are <laughs> you are the virgin to Judaism today. I I'm suppose, a virgin to Judaism. Is that Hanukkah is like not a very cool holiday. It's not even no. like one of the major Jewish holidays. And its sort of prevalence in culture is like really like an American fabrication to like create a, like a, an alt Christmas or like a, you know, like a, mm-hmm. a parallel for Christmas. But Hanukkah is like a pretty stupid holiday. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm much more of a Passover girl myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but one way that is great to celebrate Hanukkah is to watch Disobedience, the 2017 film starring the Rachels, as they are known, <laughs> um, Rachel Weiss and Rachel McAdams. Jill, I wish you could have seen us trying to think of uh, something like we were trying to think of like holiday movies, and then we were like, "Wait, Jewish holiday movies? Like, what do we do? Like, what do we do?" We were like brainstorming <laughs> for like you know these upcoming episodes, and the way that I brought up Eight Crazy Nights multiple times, <laughs> and I just like, Being like acted, that's a movie, I just acted right? like I didn't hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like kind of homophobic. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> speaking of my mom last night when she texted me, she was texting me photos and video from our like family Hanukkah thing of my nephew opening his gifts and then she started sending me the lyrics to Eight Crazy Nights line by line and I kept saying stop (laughs) and I eventually had to um, put on my do not disturb mode Um, but for the virgins if you haven't seen Disobedience or if you just like need a little refresher Disobedience is um, a 2017 film directed by a man directed by that's all we need um, to know Sebastian Lilo um, it's based on a book by the same name and it stars um, Rachel Weiss as a former orthodox Hasidic Jewish woman who uh, goes home to her like small insular Hasidic community after her father, who is the community rabbi, dies. And there she reunites with her childhood best friend, who has married her childhood lesbian lover, played by um, Rachel McAdams of The Notebook and Mean Girls. And they, you know, rekindle their love affair. Um, Jill, I, knowing you, I know this is a very important film to you. It it really is. I mean, it is, I think it is like the, maybe the one good lesbian movie done by a man. (laughs) Really? The only one? I'm trying to think, like, when you think of other movies that have, like, tried to come up against something like Disobedience, what comes to mind? I mean, I, like, Carol, I do love, I stand Carol, but I feel like, you know, like, it wasn't made only by a man. Um, and yeah. like imagine me and you, I would say is another movie that is like a lesbian mm. movie by a man. That's like actually kind of good. But the mm. guy who wrote and directed imagine me and you also directed mama Mia. So like, <laughs> it's like so you understand. Yeah. <laughs> like culturally he, he gets it clearly. Is mama Mia also a Hanukkah film in a way? Say more. <laughs> yes, yeah. Go ahead, elaborate on that, Rose. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to see if I can make one. So, um, three crazy dads. <laughs> well, okay. Actually, I guess Mamma Mia would be more of a Christmas film because the three dads would be the three wise men. Mm. The, the gift of the Magi. 
And Amanda Seyfried would be Jesus, would be like the virgin birth because they never figure out who her dad is. Right, um, right. T. So, okay, um, Mamma Mia is not a Hanukkah film, but it is a Christmas film. And I will <laughs> get make you watch it one day, Fran. I, yeah. And, or I mean, die trying. I've watched like probably parts of it on a plane. No, no, no. So I feel count. like no. I've doesn't, seen it Doesn't all. count. Also, does not count that you've only watched the share parts of Mamma Mia 2. You bring it up <laughs> every time we have this argument, and I won't stand for it. I'm in shock uh, right now. Like, I know that that's, like, the point of the podcast, but the fact that you haven't seen Mamma Mia is honestly shocking to me. Rose and I tried. Evil. We tried once. I, at my house, no, right? No, no we watched every the time 15, I've tried to get minutes. you to watch it, you've said no. We watched the first 15, 20 minutes. That's babe. not true. That's not. That's not that's true. true, Ellen. Um, <laughs> I didn't say that. I would never. I would. I never. would never say that. Um, this is this is literally true, though. The virgins have to know that we have literally watched the first. No, they minutes, haven't. So. You're yes, gaslighting yes, me. Yes, you're gaslighting have. me, which is really appropriate because um, we're talking about Hanukkah, which is the festival of lights. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and Fran, do you know? Darkness. Do you, Fran, do you know the story of Hanukkah? I don't know the story of Hanukkah. I do know the story of, you know, Hasidic Judaism, because I lived in South Williamsburg for (laughs) four years, five years. Um, Jill, Um, Jill, could you give us like a TLDR of the story of Hanukkah? Honestly, I cannot. I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Do do we need it? I I think it's, you know. Do we need it to understand the premise of the... You know, this is our Hanukkah special. I yeah. think you know we should should talk about it. Um, so there were these there were these gays called the Maccabees, and <laughs> they there's something about a temple. The temple was destroyed and, or something, or they built a temple, and they only had enough oil um, to fuck for one night because um, there are a bunch of bottoms and. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And there okay. was only enough oil um, for one night. But then um, through the magic of Rachel Weiss, the oil yes. lasted for eight nights. And that's how we have the story of Hanukkah, which and is... when you say oil, you mean lube, right? Like, yes, I mean that's lube. What... Mm-hmm. And let me be clear. Um, disobedience has nothing to do with Hanukkah. Um, really, the only Jewish holiday that is depicted in it at all is Shabbat or Shabbos. Right. Um, as we as we call it, but um, I mean, Jill, like, what 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 about disobedience? Do you think is so fantastic? Even though it was directed by a man, I mean, I genuinely think it's hot. Like, I like not to get yes. into like the like repression, problematic lesbian repression of it all, but like, it is hot, and I do think that they have like good chemistry, and I do like genuinely like the story. Um, <laughs> so so. Basically, the things that make a movie good um, in general. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's uh, like it, it feels like a low bar. But like when it comes to like lesbian movies, like, yeah, there aren't that many good ones that fulfill that criteria. Yeah, and it also not to get too far ahead, but it unlike most sad lesbian movies. Well, I mean, first of all, it it's not a period film, which is great to see, um, yeah. and it has a somewhat hopeful ending. Yeah. And it's like, like somewhat, somewhat like Carol. Like it's not necessarily a mm-hmm. happy ending, but it's a hopeful one. Yeah, totally. And it's like it's unique, you know. Like I, I feel like a lot of like the lesbian movies, like you said, like there's so many like period pieces and whatever that like make the movie unique, but also then kind of not because 
there's so many. <laughs> and I feel like yeah. this is actually just like, whether it was a like queer movie or not, it is like a unique story. Unique? Um, yeah, I feel like when you, when we were, wa- when I was watching this, I, I was thinking kind of some along the same lines because I was like, okay, this is a movie that's like first and foremost about having brown hair, and and secondly, <laughs> it's as Phoebe has pointed out in the chat about edging. Like the se- the sexual tension in this film mm. is so good, and I don't know if I just like what because okay, I'm not gonna lie, like the first like you know. 30, 40 minutes are, like, a little boring before we get to, like, the hot stuff. But, like, I I don't know if I wasn't paying attention, but, like, I did not see the Rachels and their first, the first moment that they, like, kind of kiss. Mm -hmm. I was like, like, I just remember being like, what the fuck? Because the tension between them was bubbling at such a subtle simmer while the rest of the drama of the film is happening around them, that I was, like, focused on the drama and not on, like, what was, like, actually sparking. Um, So, I don't know. I think that, like, the ways that they cannot satisfy each other, the ways that they couldn't touch each other for so long was, like, a big part of why the lust in this movie is, like, so satisfying. And, like, the spit scene, obviously, all the different things that, like, make this movie really memorable are around, like, the sex. Yeah. Well, it's like they can't they can't even acknowledge it. And, and I mean, I don't think that the first 40 minutes of the film are boring. I actually think the tension is so interesting. And, and I think you have to understand Ronit, um, Rachel Weisz's character, and... and um, mm how she's left and what it's like for her to come back. And I think this film is so good at showing rather than telling. Mm-hmm. Like, so much is communicated without anyone ever talking about it. Mm-hmm. And those moments where the tension bubbles over, like, I, I think about the scene where they're all having dinner and she's like, I want to sell the house. And they're like, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. And oh yeah. my God, that's such a Jewish thing. It's it like, really is. The the guilt dripping from this film is like, uh, I mean, this is such a Jewish movie in addition to being such a gay movie. It really and is. in addition to being an extremely, you know, brunette movie, which has to be said again. True. And a, a British movie. And a British oh, yeah. movie, even though Rachel McAdams' British accent is not great. Could be better. <laughs> I guess I wasn't focused on it. <laughs> did any of y'all, did either of you read the book, the disobedience book that it's based on? No. So no. I was, apparently they changed it a lot. And I mean, I, I'm not surprising, but like the ending of the book is like pretty sad not to jump right to the ending but like they she basically decides to stay in the community and is like she's like i'm happier here this is my life and you know yeah. so be it i mean unfortunately that's probably a more realistic realistic ending. totally um because i i I I can't imagine what it's like to be in that sort of like fundamentalist environment and break away from it like Obviously, like we see a person who's done that in in Rachel Weiss's character, um, and it kind of seems like she escaped the absolute moment she could. But I imagine, like once you have lived like the majority of your life and like not only your adolescence but like your adult life in a community like that, yeah. it must be almost impossible to leave. It did make me think of. Um, my unorthodox I was, life. I the, was the, literally the, about the, to say that. <laughs> Wait, for our the virgins. favorite Netflix reality show. Uh, yes. For the virgins, Jill, can you break it down? 
The, my unorthodox life? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That. Can I? I'm like, so Julia Hart is a, a CEO who got out of the orthodox community and is now, like, living in New York in, like, a very, like, bougie life. And her kids are kind of, like, some of them... In the first season, some of them were, like, out and, like, happy and, like, you know, to be out and whatever. Some were, like out but still kind of like conservative and one of her youngest child is like still actually in the community living with her ex and like uh kind of she kind of like can't get him out like he like is really starting to like believe in all of it and like the same kind of stuff we were just talking about um but one of the daughters miriam is like an out bisexual horny queen um we stand we we (laughs) do stand yeah wait have you rose have you started watching the second season I have not, and I know that a lot has transpired because wasn't there, like, a whole scandal with her husband? Uh, yes. Well, I've only watched the first episode, so I haven't really, like, gotten into it. But I know that, um, you know, like, Batsheva, the other daughter, Mm -hmm. she's, like, fully, like, she's gone full influencer. Her and her husband, who was, like, a little bit more conservative, like, have broken up, and she is just, like, out there living her, like, bravo girl life. Well, she got the taste of fame, so that makes a lot of sense. She looks amazing. It also makes sense, you know, not to get too, like, serious, but it does, you know, make sense that of all of Julia's children, the one who is still, like, deeply invested in the community is the boy. Yeah. Because, like, it's a culture that, you know... um, sees women as lesser and like literally like separates and segregates them yeah the men stay winning (laughs) yes as you know as we see in disobedience like um when they go to shul um you know the men and the women are are kept separately the women sit in a different part of the synagogue you know women have to wear wigs all the time and like be like totally bundled up and like can only show their bodies to their husbands and are like literally just there to like roll their little like wheeled backpacks around and make sure <laughs> the wheel- <laughs> their little wheeled backpacks from BBC Radio 4 Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip I thought in that moment oh my god we've summoned something from this board this is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I think one of my favorite moments in this movie, and I think the best line, is when Rachel Vice asks Rachel McAdams, do you still only fancy women? Yes. And she gives her that sort of, like, look, like, and goes, like, looks from, like, under her eyes and like, yeah. yes. And it's very, it's very, it's very, like, Thorgy Thor going, do you want to form an alliance? <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, I love it. I honestly, like, watching it made me want to read the book a little more because uh, apparently it's the book, the story is, like, really autobiographical. Like, the author, like, went through this thing and is Rachel Weiss. Um, And each chapter has, like, a kind of, like, opening, like, kind of teaching or, like, scripture specifically from, um, you know, Judaism and, like, or, like, from the Orthodox Church. And, And the way that they created, like, alignments about, like, love was, like, part of, like, how the story came together. But, like, I I personally just think that, like, whenever I watch things like this where um, kind of cultish or, like, weird religious, weird, like, religious, like, forces are the thing you're up against, like, I honestly always get really invested in the world. Like, did you ever... (laughs) This is such a stupid reference. Did you guys ever read the Poisonwood Bible? uh, The Barbara King Saul book? I don't know what that is. Oh, Rose, you would love that. But that one's more about, like, Baptist, like, missionary culture and stuff like that. But, like, weird, culty, religious, like, kind of things that, like, serve as backdrops for stories like this, I'm, like, always like immediately hooked it it is fascinating but i also just like i can't conceptualize of believing in (laughs) god like that (laughs) but i i I also yeah but i also know that for a lot of people like even if they tell themselves even if even if they tell themselves that's what it's about like it's not necessarily really about that it's like about community it's about structure it's about tradition I mean even like even as a very reformed Jewish person like my Judaism is so much more like cultural than it is religious and I think for most people in my family um and like I get that there's a comfort in that and a safety in that and you see a lot of these Hasidic communities like they're so insular, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Jill, yeah. do you have a similar experience of Judaism? I, I really do. I mean, like, I, I when I was younger, like, when I was, like, a kid, my grandparents definitely were, like, more invested than my parents were, and they didn't really, like, care or, like, push us to, like, you know, whatever. But, like, we when my grandparents were, like, super around, we went to temple a lot. And I did, like, resent it a lot even from a young age because there was like just like the stuff you know like of like my grandma being like 
you have to wear a dress and like tights and like the pretty shoes and like I, I just like it, mm. there, there was just like some like gender stuff going for me like at a very early age where I was like totally. I don't like this and I associated all of that with temple you know because it was like I yeah. only had to dress up like that when I went to temple and I hated it um, yeah. and and I think that like. I was never bought mitzvahed. Um, like, I really came to, like, resent it. I also was raised in, like, a really um, Catholic high school. Like, not, like, a Catholic school, but, like, everyone in the school was Catholic or Christian. There were, like, I think, like, ten Jews in the school. And so I think that, like, it made me always feel... There was something about Judaism that, like, in numerous ways made me feel isolated. And it, none of it was actually Judaism's fault, necessarily. Um and I think that I, like, very much, uh, you know, tried to, like, leave it behind. And only in the last, you know, I'd say, like, five years, I feel like I have, like, found a new, like, adult appreciation for, like, cultural Judaism. And, like, I feel really, like, strongly connected to other people who have had, like, similar upbringings and are like from like you know Jewish Brooklyn like anything that like feels like what it felt like when I was a kid I'm now kind of like picking and choosing the stuff that does feel good you know and like yeah, I I totally get what you mean about like especially about like the way that being Jewish like it in a predominantly Christian country which is the one we live in like is isolating and so it does make me understand why there are communities that like are so insular because they're like it's like almost a reaction to that um Mm -hmm. and I I also have kind of had the same experience where like I like I grew up I mean pretty like we didn't go to temple that often but like I did go to Hebrew school my mom worked at the at the temple I went to when I was little for a little bit I did have a bar mitzvah the theme was Broadway obviously (laughs) um and when I got older you know I like totally rejected it I like I have not been in it's inside a temple in a long time I think probably since my brother's wedding I don't like I don't have a menorah I didn't like the candles last night for Hanukkah but I like I do find comfort in you know the the rituals of it all like I do I do still like you know like eating latkes during Hanukkah or like yeah. getting like getting challah during Rosh Hashanah and dipping it in honey I can't do apples because I'm allergic to them um, I like being around the people I love during the Jewish holidays. I do like the, you know, like the Passover story and like doing some kind of like makeshift meal or in place of a Seder. Um, And you're totally right. It's like, there is a lot of comfort in people who have had the the same kind of um, like cultural experiences as you. And I do like feel some sort of kinship, especially with queer Jewish people, as long as they're not like, taking it a little too seriously yeah totally like and yeah I, I would say like if there's one thing that i would like to like take from judaism or cult or like cultural judaism and like you know own it in my own life is like the the gathering at with mm-hmm. a meal you know what i mean like even if it's like an every yes. sunday you know bagels yes. and locks like whatever like well, Judaism I, is about food it, that, yeah. like let's be clear about Period. that judaism yeah. is about yeah. judaism is about sharing food yeah eating food (laughs) and it's like and it's fun and (laughs) this is crazy feels good to like gather with a bunch of people and cook it's crazy people have been doing this forever (laughs) and it still feels good um and like yeah i've like you know 
other like queer Jewish friends, like we've even like gotten together and like done that where it's like, you know, Passover or Rosh Hashanah and just like made a latkes and like <laughs> in an air fryer or like just, you know, kind of like created our own little rituals. And like that stuff feels good to me. Um, and also latkes like. are so hard to make though. I know. It's such an annoying process because it's so much fucking preparation. I ate them last night. Are you jealous? <laughs> I'm so jealous. I do have a package of frozen Trader Joe's latkes in my freezer that I will uh, be Me too. Those kind of go off. They do they're kind good. of go off. And yeah, I have an air good. fryer, so I'm going to just pop them in there, have them with some cute, applesauce cute. and sour cream, mm. and um, live my life. Yeah. There really is, to the to your point, Jill, like a kind of like queer, like generational thing that like happens with people that like used to be religious or had religious families. Cause like we have these like deep instated like aversions to whatever it is the thing is because of like skirts and tights, like you said, or like yeah. for me, it was like these these like, you know, disgusting like Aeropostale, like, you know, short sleeve polos or like button downs <laughs> that I like hated. Like cat like khakis that I got from Kohl's that I like I hate and like they look horrible or whatever. Um or the the other things that or because like also like just church is boring. Like let let's say that. It's, <laughs> it's not church is boring objectively and when you are eight, it's even more boring. And like yeah. borderline impossible to pay attention to so why are children subjected to this thing um anyway i used to sneak i I used to sneak a book in and put it in my um in my in my prayer book to to read like so i could pretend and then i would just like stand up when we had to stand up Uh, i was like mm -hmm. secretly sitting there like reading harry potter or whatever (laughs) literally same i would get in trouble though like i would read like garfield comics and stuff like that um (laughs) yeah but i but my point is is like i feel like you know we have this like childhood that's like dripping with religion or like you know we have these aversions to religion and then when we have our own autonomy we're like this fucking sucks like fuck you religion yeah See you never and then like four or five years later we're like oh like i still need to make meaning of the world and and like want like community and like maybe a little spirituality too maybe a little you know mysticism or something and and we kind of like seek back which is why like astrology is popular now and yeah or like right. things like that where it's like we fill or rather, well, I've said this before, like, I'm filling, like, the God-shaped hole in my life with, like, think, like, you know, just the yeah. kind of leftover parts of the re- the religion or traditions that I, like, actually like. Well, there's um, a difference between religion and spirituality, and I think course. so many of us, like, like the spirituality part of it. Like, I, even as a kid, like, I was interested in the sort of mysticism of Judaism, and I found a lot of the ritual beautiful. Um, like Elijah. So I think, yeah, like Elijah, like um, you know, like the the stories of uh, in the you know in the Torah or whatever, and um, but yeah, yeah, I think there is like the God shaped hole, like we have found things to fill it with, whether they're you know astrology or partying or Rachel Vice's spit. Mm. <laughs> can, can we talk about the spit? Because, we need like, to. I, we I actually to. am not sure if I've ever seen you know spit depicted on on. I I can't recall like a kind of spit like moment yeah. in any other movie. I didn't realize rewatching it that it doesn't only happen once; it's multiple times. Yes. And it's a it's yeah. a like lengthy sequence and a lengthy kind of and it's spit it yeah and it's like it's like a dribble too you know like it's like it's kind of like drool it's not like a like hot kind of like like aggressive like 
hawk. Like it's like a no. Yeah. It's very it's very sensual. <laughs> it's, it's really a sensual slow. I, it's like you have to really like <laughs> spit to get it's, into a, dr- a like a slow dribble into and like she really like drinks it up. Like it's well, I think does. it's I think it's purposely supposed to feel yeah religious. Like yeah, it's supposed to look. It's supposed to stand in for some kind of religious sacrament. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's absolutely. <laughs> it's if well, I could like, be baptized with Rachel Isis spit, I mean, please. I, mean, I don't know if it's a baptism because that's that's Christian, but it's right, right, right. <laughs> it's like you know, it's like drinking the wine, you know, on on sure. Shabbat or some on, sure, sure, on Shabbat sure. or something. Um, would yeah. you let Rachel Vice spit in your mouth? Duh. Well, Obviously, yes. I'm, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not even like a spit girl, actually, to be honest. But if it was Rachel. Please. I I have like I I I have like a thing with like um specifically like mouth noises like like people chewing like really like like fucks with me um so like I'm not it fucks like a, with Phoebe our producer as well really <laughs> she hates she hates she I mean she threatened us at the beginning she threatened me at the beginning of this episode because I was eating yogurt. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, like, I, there's some, like, mouth stuff that I'm, like, not fully on board with. Like, I, I think that, like, certain spitting scenarios can be hot. That specific one, the slowness of it, and, like, Ooh. the fact that you can see that, like, it's really the exchange of the juices that feels good for them. And <laughs> that, oh, juices. The ju- <laughs> like, that, and le- that doesn't resonate for me. <laughs> and let me tell you, that spit dribble is going in so slow, it's cold by the time it hits your that- mouth. It's cold yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would prefer like a fast spit but i'm not like i'm not a spit girl like we rose and i have talked about this on the pod before but like i i definitely am someone who i'm never the spitter i'm always getting spat on and i don't know how f- spitters find me but they do <laughs> and i'm like okay yes spit on me whatever way you want but like then we get to do the things that i want to do but like it does it is interesting that you know the man who directed this i don't know like i don't even care about like looking into him or like what his intentions were as a director yeah. but like <laughs> but like I, if you're going to fabricate this spit thing which i wonder if it's in the book probably not you know it there's a kind of humiliation kink Thing going on or like he was trying to figure he was trying to just as you were saying like metaphorize this spit thing to be like oh this is like about her as a person or something it was just I don't such think a- it, I don't see it as humiliating like no, I either. feel like it's I think it's like a gift that she's giving her right no I mean I I'm not trying to say like like c- humiliation core kink but like spit in kink or insexuality has the association of degradation and i was like wondering if that i had I, I think to do with it, it. i think it depends on yeah. your kink because like i i am someone who like i do engage in spit play <laughs> a little and i would say most of the time the person being spat on or in is like begging for it and mm. it's re- it really is like a gift you are giving them and i think that is, at least when I watch the film, that's how I read it, is that mm. Rachel McAdams is so obsessed with yeah. Rachel Weiss that she wants literally any part of her she can get. She she wants to take her inside yeah. her body in one of the Relatable. only ways she can. Yeah. I know, I agree. I agree. I think that, like... I, what, like, Fran, I see what you're saying about the humiliation stuff, but I think that, like, it's like a... 
there is like a vulnerability, like an exchange of vulnerability. I think Rachel McAdams' character is like at her most vulnerable there. But and I think that it could go that route. But I do think that like yeah, it's like a gift. It's like Rachel Vice is like giving her this like tender <laughs> dribble into yeah. her mouth. Her in like dribble. it's her Hanukkah present. Yeah, <laughs> here, babe. Um, yeah, like it's like a. It, it's I think it's like. Rachel Weiss's character knows how like intense and vulnerable that moment is for her partner. And so I think it wouldn't make sense if it was like really a, a hawk. <laughs> it, you know, it, it really makes sense for the, I, we're, we should talk for 40 more minutes about this, <laughs> analyzing <laughs> this. Absol- <bit>. Absolutely. <laughs> You're so right about the vulnerability though, because like so much of what Rachel McAdams has to do in this movie is, you know, she, to be with Rachel Weiss, she has to, like, lose all of this armor she has um, armed herself with um, to, like, move about in the world. Like, you know, like, the clothing, like, the wig. I mean, when she takes the wig off, like, every time yeah. she takes the wig off in so this good. movie is a gag. And somehow her hair still looks amazing underneath it. I don't know how how she does it. Yeah. It's that little, like, short bob. I don't know. It stays intact. It looks great. Yeah, I mean, she's so vulnerable in this movie and, you know, by the end of it. And I also love how the dynamic between the three of them, because we're meant to understand that um, Rachel, Rachel, and the guy um, were very close friends growing up. And I like that at the as the movie ends and, you know, he realizes that they have, like, restarted their love affair and that Rachel McAdams is pregnant, there's not, like, what I guess we would expect in a movie like this of some huge, like, blow-up scene where, you know, he screams and, like, there's all this, like, shame being bandied around. It all happens, like, very matter-of-factly, and it even ends with him, you know, like, giving Rachel McAdams his blessing to to be free, like, in front of their entire congregation. And I, I really like that those characters feel so lived in and really seem like they understand each other. Yeah. It's just a really well-made movie. Same. Yeah. No, well like, the dynamic of like the trio is so good and doesn't happen a lot. I mean, I think like in real life or in movies, like where you get to see <laughs> basically the man who feels affronted by the lesbianism. Um, like hard, Like, like, <laughs> like fucking Harge. But you can see that he like has the capacity to become violently angry about it and then kind of like takes it in processes and gives his blessing. And like, it's, yeah, it's, it's a best case scenario, I think for a setting like this. Well, cause he's also always known because we like find out through the course of the movie that they were in love when they were teenagers and even were walked in on by Ronit's father, the rabbi. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, can't the gag, even imagine. The gag of that. <laughs> I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. How many times has Rachel Weisz played a lesbian? Like multiple. Two. Only two? I think only two. It's... Yeah, oh, wow. only two. And I did when I interviewed her for the favorite. I asked her, who "Well, is a brag kisser." <laughs> I asked her, "Who is a better kisser, Rachel McAdams or Olivia Coleman?" And she said <gasps> oh. she couldn't pick one. Oh, How my. could she? How could she? It's gotta be Olivia Coleman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. It's gotta be. I mean, a blessing to to participate in in either couple. But wow, I mean, the favorite. I mean. We could do a whole other episode on the favorite, but like, wow. We, we could and probably will at some point. Um, I also loved the use of music in this movie with The Cure. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved, like, yeah. that, was, that was kind of the way that they, like, almost broke the tension between them when they were in Renit's father's house by listening to The Cure. And then it played again over the credits at the end. It was such a, like, lovely little touch. I love it. The ve- it's like the muscle memory. <laughs> They like they they play the song that they clearly used to listen to together, and then when they fucked, when now we have to fuck, fuck, like. But it's also such like a it's not even like a let's fuck. It's like a like a, such a tender reminder. How many times can I describe their relationship as tender on this episode? I wonder. <laughs> this is a film. This is a film <laughs> about tenderness and also about coldness. Like it's a very bleak film in its mm-hmm. color palette and. You know the the kind of sparseness of the language, but yeah. then it makes that's what makes those moments where it becomes extremely like passionate and tender even more like startling. Yeah, and the, the warmth well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, like the te- the tenderness is like so much like the, the tenderness is the thing you focus on because both of these characters are like dead inside before they're reunited. Like Rachel Weisz has like in back in her New York life like there's this montage that like shows that like she is not feeling or doing amazing or she's just kind of floating through life. And obviously Rachel McAdams character is like not doing great either. And they both kind of like reinvigorate each other. And that is what like love feels like, you know, like I think a lot of the time when you're 
it just feels like a re- like a reunion, and you're like, oh my god, are all of my woes and sorrows like gone? And they're not. They're just like <laughs> not I don't present. Know. It, it seems like she has a pretty nice life. She's like photographing like old tattooed men and hooking up with guys in bars. Yeah, I mean, I thought that the sequence where she's like hooking up with the guys in bars was supposed to be. I thought that that because it, it showed like her hooking up with guys and then like doing like boring work or something it was like this montage to me that was like trying to paint like the monotony of her life or like or like the 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 fact that she was floating through it but maybe i was reading too hard into that well that's also that also comes after she finds out her father's dead and i think that it's supposed to like like show that she's trying to go through the motions of her life as if her father dying hasn't impacted her right it really has right 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 yeah yeah i think like they're the I think it's supposed to show that she has like a big life back in back in the big city, um, but yeah, I think like the, hooking up with the guy in the bar is kind of like a dark scene where she's like spiraling. Um, and but I don't know. It's it, I guess it's hard to say because we we really don't see that much of her life before we go um, to England. Um, I wonder and, if her photographs are good. <laughs> yeah, we never get Probably to see not. the book, Probably the not. photography book. Do you think she's big on Instagram? No. I think she's, like, an art bitch and, like, pretentious and, like, won't touch social media. Yeah. So what do you think, if you had to write, like, the sequel or, like, the fan fiction, like, what do you think happens after the end of the movie? Disobedience 2, here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, it also features Cher. Yeah. <laughs> as, as her mom. Um, of course. What happens... I think Disobedience 2 follows... Unfortunately, I don't think Rachel Weisz is in it. I think it's, like, Rachel McAdams. Um, she moves to California and starts, like, her own journey and um, meets Bette Porter and <laughs> falls in love. No, I don't know. I think, But I think that it would be, like, her story, you know? Ooh. I yeah, because it. I don't... I do think that, like, what we're meant to understand by the end of the film is that... Rachel McAdams has to figure out her next step herself. And, like, even though Rachel yeah. Weiss offers, offers like, sh- that she can come live with her, like, that's not, it's not really escaping anything. And she has to, like, follow her own path. I think she becomes, like, a mom, inf- a momfluencer. Um, <laughs> and she makes a TikTok Original. that's all about how she, like, escaped, you know, fundamentalism. Wow. And, like, totally monetizes the experience. And yes. evidently in California, which is going to be really hard for her to navigate, you know, the in- insular Hollywood lesbian scene in L.A. I think that she would have a hard time here. Yeah, I think that it would be really hard to go from her life there and and Rachel Weiss and come here and go to, like, the Abbey or Chapel on, like, Wednesday night. And <laughs> Not be, the Abbey. <laughs> be like, that's what I'm that like. OK. Like, this is what I left my home and family yeah. for a while. A, a lot of backwards hats, like, a lot of, <laughs> yeah. But maybe she, would, maybe she would catch the eye of, like, you know, a Kristen Stewart type. And then, 
Not at the Abbey. <laughs> Not at the Abbey. But, you know, she, like, she meets someone and, like, gets invited to some sort of, like, you know, fancy party in the hills and then meets a, a wow. lesbian and becomes part of a, you know, a, a lesbian power couple. Yeah, I want her to have, like, a, like, Princess Diaries kind of sequel where she, like, a Cinderella story, you know, where she finds... Oh the queen of the lesbians and is like you know gets this like great Played by Olivia Coleman. <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> okay makeover makeover montage makeover montage at you know the army surplus store at the at the at the Doc Martin store <laughs> or maybe okay so she meets Olivia Coleman who's like a lesbian like you know like the most powerful lesbian and it turns out okay. Olivia Coleman is like escaped mormonism so she's <gasps> also an ex-fundamentalist and they bond over that and she used Wait. to be on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City oh my god <laughs> she is go. married and she is Meredith she's Marks. Meredith Olivia, Marks. Olivia who, Coleman who is looks, playing Meredith Marks who I've always thought wait is Meredith Marks there's one of them that looks a lot like Rachel Vice in a weird way. I think it's Meredith. It, it is Meredith, yeah. Yeah, so that makes sense. She leaves... Oh my God, she falls in love with another Rachel Vice type. <laughs> <laughs> but an older Rachel Vice type. It's that, played, I, played actually, the, the, be, yeah. the beginning of the movie is Rachel McAdams hooking up with like pe- like many people in a row and they all have like shoulder length brown hair. Yeah, <laughs> it's still a brunette oh. story. Oh my god, yeah. Rachel Rachel Weiss's hair in this movie, I mean in every movie obviously, Magnificent. but especially in this film, it's just this incredible mane of tousled dark locks. Mm. So and good. she's never wearing a hat even though it looks really fucking cold outside. In <laughs> she, fact, she refuses to I wear do, a hat. The darkest moment of the movie is when she puts on the wig because it's like, no, 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 we need the hair. Like, Please. Oh my god, forgot about her putting on the wig. It's so funny. It's really sad. And then she gets recognized by by, by Rachel McAdams, right? Or yeah, so, she's and then, like, you're wearing a wig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then she takes it off. Have you ever worn one of those wigs? Because I have. You have? I have, yeah. Can you tell us the story? Like, how? It was for, it was for um, Bushwig one year. I, I, <laughs> I did a performance in which I was playing a Hasidic woman. You did a performance oh. in from... In from <laughs> in from yes from which Full is from. Like a ter- which is a term I don't think I knew Me before either. before disobedience but I guess it's like you know being being as like uh, Hasidically female as possible like with the <laughs> rolling backpack and the wig and the like sh- the like maxi skirt yeah um I um was watching this movie and thinking a lot about like, you know, hometown loves or like rekindling like childhood flames or whatever. And I'm wondering like, do y'all have like, you know, like I was, I was like thinking of Shiva baby when I was watching this and like movies like that, where you're like, where you have an old flame. Another great queer Jewish film. I wish, I mean, I, I, I feel like I've said this so many times in my life that I, I was like the kind of queer person who was so repressed that I like really didn't even like admit it to myself or know until my early 20s and then like didn't kiss a girl until I was 23. Um, Mm. And I, whenever I watch like, this is fucked up. I know this is fucked up to say, but like when I watch like these repression stories about like a hometown love or whatever, I'm like, I wish I had like a repressed hometown love, which like I, (laughs) which like I kind of don't. Or when you watch shows about queer teens like falling in love, you're like, yeah, you're "Um, like, fuck you. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I was really, like not doing that. No, like I really do in a way wish that I knew what it was like to be like 16 and like in love with a girl and like couldn't tell anyone. But also like knowing the environment I grew up in, I think it would have been um, really, really scary. Like my, I think my life could have taken a dark turn. Um, Phoebe wants to know if any of us have read Milk Fed by Marissa Broder. I yes. haven't, although I've seen it all over book talk. Yes. Mm. Um, Wait, what? It, what is it? Yeah, no, this is like also like within the Shiva baby disobedience canon, like a, a queer kind of like quirky Jewish love story. Um, it's like, I don't, it's, I like it, but it's not, it's not my fave. But um, it's like, how do I even explain this? It's like a girl... Um, who I think works at a talent agency in LA and like is kind of has a lot of like like food and like body stuff meets this girl who works in a froyo store um, who she <laughs> is that what it's called a froyo store um, yeah. who yeah like tasty she, delight or pink yeah berry. right exactly who she like becomes like kind of like sexually obsessed with and that girl is a uh, has like. A not not quite like a full orthodox family, I don't think so, but like like a really like uh, definitely like conservative um, orthodox leaning family. And she goes and she the girl the main girl like goes and has dinner with them and like is <laughs> gets into it about Israel and Palestine and it, I don't know it's like it, yeah. it, I definitely think it's like a, an interesting worthy read and it's pretty funny, but um, yeah. I honestly, I mean, the fact that she works at a Froyo store is, that is, that that, I call that hyper-realism. That is, like, truly, (laughs) I I feel like I know so many people from childhood that worked at a a Froyo joint. There was this this ice cream store called Oberweiss in my hometown that everyone wanted to work for, and I remember going to apply, and the manager was like, oh, do you have any qualifications? I was like, no, this would be my first job. He's like, oh, okay, and he, like, pulls out that, like, stack of, like, a hundred applications from, like, other 14-year-olds that he had to prioritize over mine. That's savage. He got your ass. Yeah, he really (laughs) did. He was like, good luck. Um... But yeah, I, I, I honestly, so I fell in love with when I was like around 17 or so with my first boyfriend in a very suburban, you know, part of Chicago. And I honestly would, would love to write that story. I think that like, repre- there's something about it. Like, I, I know that everyone's doing like, everyone does like repressed queer love stories. But also on that note, like I would watch Mormon Disobedience. Like that needs to be a thing. Well, like that's someone just, needs um, to do that. That's that's there's there's like a whole porn category of that. Right, but porn, Aww. you know, famously not not very narrative driven. I mean, for you it is because you love the narrative of porn. Yeah, that's all I care about. Um, you only you, care about the plot detail. <laughs> but Fran, if you went home, do you think you would reunite with your your um, high school lover? No, he ended up being like a total dirtbag. Um, but never say never. Never say never. Exactly. And we, we I did, think you could find your way back to each other, and you we, could spit in him. Yeah, <laughs> I could spit in him. Um, we did meet at Boy Scout camp. Boy, quote unquote. Wow. Another I, I, another fundamentalist organization. Yeah. 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 I I honestly, it's all, it's all full circle. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I think I would, you should. I I would watch and I think you should write it. And I think I feel like I feel like I have maybe a contentious opinion on this because I know that like so many like teens and Gen Z and like whatever, not just 
I mean, not just the youths, but, you know, say, like, no more repression stories or stories about coming out and, like, whatever. And it's, like, for I would say the, most of the queer people that are alive, those stories really still resonate and yeah, still yeah. define a lot of people's lives. And uh, the, you know, like, the disobedience and carols of the world, um, they fucking are hitting. You know what I mean? They hit. And, like, I would watch. Yeah. Like, I, I I really like those movies. I find them to be really hot, unfortunately. Like, maybe something to break down in my <laughs> in a therapy session. But And also um, ve- and also very true. Like, yes, it's great yeah. that, we, that there's a whole generation of queer kids who are, like, finding it easier to come out and, like, quote, unquote, live authentically or whatever. But... <laughs> For a, a lot of a lot of people around the world, um, they still can't do that safely, and a lot of us, you know, grew up with without having that experience. And yeah. So I think there is still a lot of power in those stories, and they are still really hot. They're hot. Yeah. We need more hot elder millennial <laughs> repressed <laughs> gay <Yeah>. stories. <laughs> That's Period. the thing, though, is, like, the the thing w- when people are like, no, more repression stories or whatever, which I've probably said before. Like, it really... <laughs> that, that, yeah, like, I've probably said it before. But, like, that's just, you know, the experience poisoning effect of, like, you know, the internet. The internet and discourse and, like... And I feel like um, what we're really saying, to your point, Jill, is, like, can you just tell the stories better? Like, because, right. like, no right. one's complaining about Carol. No one. We would yeah, never yeah. know that. The movie is so, perfect. So we're yeah. going to write a Hanukkah movie uh, about some kind of you know queer trans repression yes um jill you will direct it oh my god yes Um, and it's gonna be great it's gonna win an oscar in 2027 and it's gonna it's gonna take us some time to develop and the 14 year olds are going to run us off social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're all going to be dead and canceled. We're going to be by found dead, but yeah. 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 Exiled, like yeah. Rachel Weiss. Slide into our DMs at Like a Virgin 42069. Tell us if you would let Rachel Weiss spit in your mouth, what your favorite Hanukkah tradition is, whatever. Next week, we'll be back with a best of 2022 episode going through all of the things we loved this year and very few of the things we didn't love that I really liked that we did not get negative. As always, please like and subscribe, rate us on Spotify, leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out so much. I'm your co-host, Rose Domu. You can find me anywhere online at Rose Domu. And you can find me at Francis Squishko anywhere you like. Uh, like a Virgin is an iHeartRadio production. Our producers, Phoebe Unter, with support from Lindsay Hoffman, Julian Weller, Jess Krancic, and Nikki Etor. Until next week, uh, Hogsamea, Virgins. Hogsamea. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.